So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to share a couple things, and then we'll get into uh, Romans chapter 5. But the title of my message this morning is, No Longer Slaves to Sin. And, uh, you know, that's good news for us, for all of us. Why? Because we all deal with sin. Uh, now, I know you may say, well, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes, we are. But how many of you know that we still got a flesh to deal with? And here's the good news is that the flesh doesn't have to dominate us. But it can if we allow it. And, uh, but the good news is, and I'm going to share some things with you along this line, is that we all have things in our life that, yes, we need to deal with and overcome. But, hey, it's not left to us to figure it out and to do it in and of ourselves. And so uh, I want to give you a couple of definitions for two words specifically because we're going to be talking about these and we're really going to be walking through mainly two chapters here in the book of Romans this morning together. Uh, the first one is sin. You know, a lot of people uh, have definitions of what sin is, and sometimes sin's not very popular to talk about, but just be... Oh, thank you. I might need that this morning. But, um, uh, so anyhow, so I mean, I, I realize that sin is not popular, and yet it is something that we have to deal with. We live in a world that is fallen. And, uh, and, and so even um, to say, you know, and so here's a few definitions, if you will, and some things that, uh, you know, sin... You know, some people would say it this way as well, it's just missing the mark. You know, we know the verses all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And, you know, everybody, and, and here's the thing. I don't have to tell you that, that there's sin in our life. Why? Because we know. But the good news is, is that we don't have to be focused or dependent or, or, or looking too much at it because of this. And so, anyhow, let me give you these definitions and we'll get into the word together. But sin is this. It would be human failings. How many of you ever felt like you've ever failed God? Even as, a, even as a born-again believer. Have you ever felt like, man, I knew that I have let my Savior down today. And it was rough. Another, one, another definition of this would be, uh, is an unrighteous act. You know, the Bible says that we're to live in righteousness. So anytime that we don't walk in righteousness, guess what? That's an unrighteous act. Uh, another definition of sin would be this, and this is really the most accurate one, I believe. It's a violation of the laws and the standards of God. It's simply God says, here's my standard. And when we don't measure up to that, that's what sin is. Now, this word slave, which you'll understand why I'm defining it for us early um, here in a few minutes, is because, uh, and even the title is that we're no longer slaves to sin. How many of you realize you were born into slavery? Now I realize in our nation that term is controversial for obvious reasons. And I'm not using that term lightly, but, you know, that is true though. Why? Because we were born... With a, with a problem that we could not solve. We were absolutely powerless to do anything about it. And so, one of the definitions of the word slave is this. It means to be the servant of. In other words, you do what it tells you to do. You're the servant of that. Another definition of being a slave would be to bring into bondage. And another uh, definition is this. It says, uh, as far as a slave, it says a person who is entirely under the domination of some influence or person. Now, here's the good news, and many of you know this, is that we, the Bible says that Christ came to what? To put an end to sin. The effects of sin. He came to pay the price that we could never pay. He came to stand in our place. The Bible says He was our substitute and stood in our place. But it doesn't just stop with that, well, now that I'm forgiven, yeah, I understand that I have sin in my life or areas of my life that may not quite be what they want to be, what the Lord wants them to be, because we're all in process with the Lord. God is still working on every one of us. None of us are finished products and none of us have arrived. Amen? Anybody arrived? 
I haven't arrived yet. I, the Lord is still working in me and working in my life. And every now and then I get those little Holy Spirit nudges that says, Hey, don't talk to your wife like that. I'm like, dang it. Shoot. And it's not in a condemning way or in a way that God says, David, you're an idiot. What he says is, David, you can do better. It's not in, and here's the thing, it's not even in a way that says, well, you'll figure it out. He says, David, if you'll trust me, I'll help you. And the same is true for you. We all have areas in our life that we struggle or that we miss or that we don't measure up to what the Lord wants us to. But the truth is, a lot of times it has to do with how we identify. Even though we're saved, even though the reality is that, yes, we've been set free from sin. And we're going to look at some verses this morning about this. We can still unknowingly walk in habitual sin. And guess what? There, there's fallout. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. And it doesn't say, well, if you get, sin, if you get saved and, and you know, you're redeemed and Jesus is your Savior, that the wages of sin is still not death. As a born-again believer, if you willingly, continually walk in sin, it will produce death in your life. And it, 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 yes, there's, that, you know, there's a consequence, but... The good news is we actually have the ability and the power to not walk in sin. It's in you right now. You already possess everything you need to be who God wants you to be. You don't have to go find some magic genie and, you know, have some visitation from the Lord. It's already in you. You have that ability and potential already. So I want to pick up here. In Romans chapter 5, and we're going to kind of pick up midstream, but in verse 12 it says this. It says, when Adam sinned, which, go back to Genesis 1-1, God had a plan and sin was not God's plan for man. Yet Adam fell. It says he sinned. And sin entered the world. It said, Adam's sin brought death. So if you ever wonder what does sin produce, ultimately it's going to produce death. And you're like, well, it sure seems fun in the moment. Well, the Bible says that. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but in the end, it will produce death. And so it goes on, it says, So death spread to everyone, for everyone had sinned. Verse 13 says, Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin, because there was not any law yet to break. Still everyone died, from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not uh, disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. And now it goes on, it says, That Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. Now here's, I'm going to point out and kind of highlight a few, uh, I'm going to start here just in these next few verses to highlight some key words that I really want you to catch. How many of you have ever felt like that you were dealing with something that was just too much and you wondered, can God actually help me get out of this? Have you ever dealt with something in your mind or a thought process or a battle in your heart and you're just like, man, I just don't know if I'm ever going to get victory in this area of my life. And it seems like what? Is that this sin is so massive that I'm helpless against it. So I want you to pay attention to some key, uh, uh, key words here. In verse 15. So we see that Adam fell and yet he was a representation of Christ who would come. In verse 15 it says, But there is a great difference. Great difference. And really, and let me just read the rest of this verse and then I'll elaborate a little bit. It says that there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. Now let me say it this way. Our sin and our fallings and our shortcomings don't even come close in comparison to how great and powerful God's grace is in our life. 
Our sin may have a stronghold, but it's nothing in comparison to how strong and mighty God's grace is in our life. I love how it says it here. It says there's a great difference. Like they can't even be compared. They're not even close. They're not even on the same chart to compare. Yes, sin might be great, but God is so much greater. God's power, God's ability is so much greater. It goes on in the second part of verse 15. And it says, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. So even greater is God's grace than our ability to be right, even as born again, spirit filled people. All of our efforts still can't compare to God's grace. Sorry, get this out of my pocket. My family is blowing up my phone. I should respond and be like, I'm trying to preach. Why aren't y'all in church? That's what I should say. Excuse me. See, I got family too. See, just people. Man. See, the problem is it pops up on my iPad too, so I see it all everywhere. Anyhow, back to where we are. Second part of verse 15, it says that even greater is God's grace and His gift of forgiveness. Here's the good news. The Bible says, though our sins were many by the blood of Christ, that they've been washed clean. Now think about that. Our sin has not just been pushed away for a future time to be judged. It has been washed away like it would never happen. And yet, even in that moment, and many times people will come and they'll, you know... Ask for forgiveness and repent and ask the Lord to help them. And the Lord will forgive, uh, you know, whatever it may be going on in their life. But then they go back and they walk back into the same old habits, the same old thoughts, the same old decisions. And they get back in the same old mess and they're wondering, how did I get here again? It's because you're still operating in an old mindset that you've been set free of. But the problem is you still believe you're a slave to sin. You're like, well, this is just who I have to be. This is just who I am. My dad was angry, his dad was angry, his dad was angry, his dad was angry. We're just angry people, so we're just angry. That was my story. Until my dad said, it's going to stop. And he started telling me things like, David, you can be better. You don't have to be like this. You can change our family. And he began to work on it, he began to challenge me to work on it. And guess what, today I'm not an angry man. And I don't take I take credit I give credit to my dad and to the Lord why because he told me it was possible to not be who I was DNA designed Amen. Let me say this I understand that we have DNA and you're like well generational curses and all this the Bible says you've been given a new DNA so those family ties and those family things that, that you may look back and just say, well, this is just the way it is. Well, everybody in my family, you know, we all die of cancer. Okay, so then you stop it. You say, I'm not dying of that. That's going to stop in my... I, I'm not going to say that that's just my lot in life. But why? Because I have a God and a Savior who came so that what? I could be redeemed and set free. And this goes into every area of our life. Whether it be some, you know, some form of addiction, whether it be some just uh, thought process. You know, some thoughts are sinful thoughts. Yes, they are. Some ways of thinking are sinful. Why? What, what, is, what, what makes them sinful? They don't line up and they don't agree with God's Word. 
Therefore, that makes them sinful. And if we persist in that thought, guess what? That thought process will produce death in you. If you don't, that's why the Bible talks about renewing your mind. Romans 12. It's so important. What? We have to learn to think in our new nature. And yet Paul here is saying that even though our old nature may seemingly be powerful, God's grace is even greater. Even greater. Verse 16. Oh, hold on. Let me tell you this before I move on. In verse 15, I love this out of the Amplified Bible. It says, um, here it says that even greater is God's wonderful grace and gift of forgiveness to many. In the Amplified, it said this, is that the gift of grace overwhelms the fall of man. God's grace overwhelmed what Adam and Eve transgressed and did in the garden. It overwhelms them. Verse 16 says, as the result of God's gracious gift or as the result of God's gracious gift, is very different from the result of that one man's sin. So, God's grace is much greater, and now he says that God's gracious gift is very different from the result of man's sin. It says, for Adam's sin led to condemnation. Anybody ever felt condemned? Because you know that, hey, I didn't measure up, and we are all too familiar with condemnation. You know, that's just a trick and a ploy of the enemy against us. Go read Romans 8. Therefore now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. So anytime the devil comes to accuse, which that's what that word condemn means, he accuses you and says, you knew you'd do that again. You knew you'd lose your cool. You knew you'd yell at your kids again. You knew that you would do this and that. In my family, men threw and hit things. Not people, but things. I can remember my dad getting mad and throwing stuff. That's, what I, that's the environment I grew up in. So what do you think I did? I grew up hitting walls and hitting trees and being stupid and hurting myself and doing why? Because that's what I was taught. That's what I saw. That's what a man is. So men get angry, but we just don't cry and we don't talk about our emotions, but we just get angry. But we're not emotional. Hmm. My emotions can't get the best of me. I don't have them. Somebody ever said that, but that was kind of the thought. But yet I saw everyone. I mean, I'm serious. Every man in my family, without fail. I'll say this. I got yelled at by every man in my family in anger. Every man, without fail. Uncles, grandfathers, dad, everybody. They were equal opportunity yellers. (laughs) They yelled at the dog. They yelled at the cat. They yelled at tools. Dumb thing don't work. You know, throwing stuff, acting... Well, I just thought, well, I guess that's just what I'm going to be. Till one day my dad said, you can be different. And for years and years and years, he kept saying that. And I'm thankful today. I'm thankful. Why? Because he said, hey. And he told me, he said, look, you can't do this. I'm glad my dad had enough sense to say, you can't do this in yourself. Of course, I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. I was questionably saved at the time. Not so questionably in my mind, but... I went to church and they drugged me to church and put me in children's church and youth group and all those things. And he just kept saying, God will help you. God will help you. And I'm thinking, all right, whatever. <laughs> but you know, I see where the grace of God was so much greater than that learned behavior. And the grace of God came to help me. It goes on in verse 16. It says, For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads us or leads to our being made right with God. 
How many of you are thankful that you've been made right with God this morning? I'm glad that God doesn't have a long scroll when I get to heaven that's just going to start rolling down the hall of heaven. And be like, David, there's your life. In all of its nasty gloriousness. It's like, oh, Jesus. This is what I know, though. Is even if God brought out the scroll that had every one of my sins written on them and it rolled out, it would be blank today. Why? Because I've been washed by the blood of Christ. And so even if the enemy was to bring a scroll and say, I've got every dumb thing he's ever thought. He'll be the one in surprise when it rolls out and it's empty. Why? Because I now live by grace. I'm not living by my, even as a believer, which this took me a long time to understand. It's not by my works. It's not by my goodness. It's not by me trying to look like a good Christian. I tried that for a long time and all I was was frustrated and condemned. If the devil didn't condemn me, I condemned me. It was a, just a cycle. Because I couldn't understand that I was actually free to now live and to be who God had called me to be. Now see here it says that, that Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads us to our being made right with God even though we are guilty of many sins. In verse 17 it says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. Death, sin, came to rule over many. It says, but even greater. There's that word again. Even greater. Even though sin brought death to many, even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness. Now this is what I want you to catch part of it this morning. It says, for all who receive it, will live in death, destruction. Is that what it says? What word does it say up there? Triumph. Triumph. It doesn't say that we're going to live in despair, overwhelmed with guilt, overwhelmed with shame, overwhelmed with all of the reasons why we say, God, just give up on me already. I don't know about you, but I know I've had that thought before. God, I don't understand you. Why do you love me and why don't you just leave me alone and just, just, man, I don't know if I've ever had this thought, but I know I haven't been too far. Like, God, you're wasting your time on me. Just move on to somebody else. And yet here, it says for all who will receive it, receive what? God's grace. God's free gift of Grace. Now, we think of grace as just, oh, well, you know, grace is God giving me what I don't deserve. It's giving me all that. No, Jesus, well, let's say it this way, is that grace is the person of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. Jesus didn't walk around just telling everybody, oh, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. What did he say? Here's what's going on in your life. You're forgiven, but go and sin no more. Now, why would he tell them that? Because he not only was giving them grace, he was also giving them power to actually walk and not sin anymore. Jesus changed everything in the fact of that when now when we receive the grace of God, it will give us the ability to triumph over sin and death through Christ Jesus. There is nothing in your life that is bigger than Jesus. There is no uh, shortcoming or, or trip up or shortfall that is greater than the power of Christ in your life. 
And it doesn't matter if you've been doing it for two weeks or 20 years or 50 years. It doesn't matter. The power of Christ is available if you'll receive it. That's the key. You've got to be willing to receive it. And I'm going to show you how that you actually can do this practically. Now turn over with me to um, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. If you're on your phone, you can just scroll down to it. But we're going to skip over some things here for, um, just for the sake of time. But in Romans chapter 6, it says this. For we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Our old helpless life was crucified with Christ. For what reason? So that the power of sin would be broken. Sin no longer has to be your identity. You don't have to say, well, this is just who I am. Because when you accepted Christ, there was a power that was available to you. Through Christ, through what He's done. It goes on and it says, so we are no longer slaves to sin. Hence the title. We know that our old self, our old ways, our old old thoughts, our, our old habits were crucified. They were put to death with Christ so that sin might lose its power so that we would no longer be dominated by sin. We would no longer be even influenced. I believe we could walk in a place that we could actually walk in the power of God to where we could actually overcome every temptation and every trick of the enemy. Here's the thing that you've got to know is that even Jesus had temptations come, but he was sinless. So to say that we are going to walk in righteousness and walk in what God, it doesn't mean that temptations won't come. Temptation is going to come. And what happens many times, it's the devil trying to bait us. And then we think, oh, well, what's wrong with me? Where did that thought come from? Why why did I act that way? Why did I respond that way? It's because the devil's trying to set you up. He's trying to get you to believe, oh, well, that's who I am. No, it's not. You are now hidden in Christ. It's what we call a new creation reality. What I... 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Behold, anyone who is in Christ, he has become a new creation. Old things have passed away. Well, if they passed away, then why do some of them things still seem to be following me? Some of them old dumb habits and some of those old, you know, my response to certain situations still seem to be the same even though I got saved. That's the flesh. Look, it took you a long time to get to that place. It's not just going to change in a moment. But you do have to renew your mind. But the good news is, is we are no longer slaves. I am not stuck to a system of sin. You are not bound to the system of sin where it would dominate your life. You have been set free. It goes on in verse 7 here and it says, For when we died with Christ... Now see, there's a death that has to happen. A continual death to self. Jesus died once and for all. But yet we have to die to what? To self, to flesh, to desire. Why? Because desire leads to death. Not all desire is bad. Some is. Sinful desires will lead to death. 
Verse 7, it says, For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. So there's a key right there. When I die to self and I die to desire, what happens? The power of God comes alive in me. When I say, devil, I know you've tripped me up and I know what I want to say to this person right now in this moment. But I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to walk in righteousness right now. I'm not going to let my tongue spew forth venom to those around me. And I'm going to guard my mouth. And what happens is when I actually have some self-control, you know, that is a fruit of the Spirit. Aren't you so thankful that God put that? I mean, that's just like the one that gets you all excited and happy, isn't it? The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Dadgummit. I don't want to be self-controlled. I don't like that. Self-control will keep you from sinning with your mouth. will keep you from sinning with your eyes. It will cause you to change the channel when all of a sudden some stupid commercial comes on. You're like, that ain't got nothing to do with what I'm watching. Or you're watching some show that you like and all of a sudden it goes to some scene. You're like, what in the world? You have the power called a remote control. It's not their fault for what they put on TV. It's your fault for what you allow your eyes to watch. It's the world. They're going to push. Absolutely. They're just going to. But it's up to me. To say nope. Not today devil. The Bible says to guard our eyes. To guard our ears. Why? Because. That's, that's influence. What I watch, what I listen to, that's influence. That's why the psalmist wrote and said, put your word before me all the day, Lord. Why? Because I need that influence. I need the word of God coming through my eyes, coming through my ears. Why? Because it will produce life. But yet when I'll make the decision that says, no, devil, I'm not going to let you trip me up again. There's now a power. Why? Because I put my flesh to death. Now I get to be set free by the power, from the power of sin through the power of Christ. Verse 8, it says, And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with Him. It says, We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and He will never die again. Death no longer has power over Him. Verse 10, it says, When He died, He died once to break the power of sin. He died once to break the power of sin. So here's the thing. We don't have to break the power of sin in our life. Christ has already broke that power in our life. But we have to walk in His ability. I don't have to try to be like, well, this is my, this is my issue. This is my thing. And so I'm just going to keep fighting and keep plugging away. I'm going to keep just... And, and look, and I understand... and. And did you have to take the whole counsel? I understand. Well, I resist the devil and he flees. Yes. But how many of you realize that, it, that the cross was a finished work? Yeah. Jesus fought for us. That's right. Yes, indeed. But it doesn't mean that we don't have a responsibility today. It doesn't mean that we're just completely off the hook. It's like, oh, well, Jesus did everything for me. So now I'm just going to live my life. And whenever I get to heaven, I get to heaven and it's going to be awesome. No, I want to walk in the power of Christ now. Well, there's some responsibility on my part. 
I've got to put my flesh to death. I've got to, those things that the enemy would try to bring into my life. Try to bring in as temptation. I need to be wise. The Bible says we're to be wise as a serpent, but innocent as a dove. So just being innocent as a dove, just saying, oh, everything's great. Mary. The devil is going to thump you. Because you're just, oh, he, I just got freedom in Christ. If you walk in the light of scripture, that's true. But if you don't, it won't be. Verse 10, it says, For he died, Christ died, he died once to break the power of sin, but now he lives, and he lives for the glory of God. Verse 11, So you should also consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin, and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Right now, you should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin. Now, let's see how honest you are. How many of you say there might be just a little something in your life that is not really where God wants it to be? And yet, I consider myself dead to sin. Okay, so if I consider myself to be dead to sin, but I acknowledge also that I know there's areas in my life that probably aren't quite measuring up, I'm confused. Because how do I consider myself dead, but also acknowledge that there are things in my life that aren't what they need to be? It's kind of a confusing moment here. Let me give you, but, and this is one of the things that I, that I want you to think about this morning. Is I believe that many people consider themselves to be dead to sin, but they do nothing about actually seeing to it that that's actually the case. It would be like, let me give you an example, a natural example. It would be like if I considered myself healthy, but yet I did nothing to be healthy. I didn't eat right. I didn't actually, I didn't do squat. I'm like, I want Twinkies and Ding Dongs and Cheetos and pizza and water. I swim in water. I don't drink it. Like, I, I don't need no water. Like, I, you know, it, and I could consider myself to be healthy. Now, I'll just tell you, I'm not. Now, you look at me and you're like, well, you look pretty, pretty in shape. I can guarantee you, if I went to the doctor tomorrow, they would tell me, you are not healthy. But yet, from the outside, you're like, well, you look skinny. I can't tell you the last time I exercised. A treadmill has not seen my feet in a long time. I just... I can consider myself to be healthy, but yet that doesn't mean that that's true. By outward appearances, you could say, oh, you are. I love Dr. Pepper too much. That doesn't lend to the side of health. But yet I consider myself to be healthy. That's not true. That's why beginning of the year, I I lay a lot of stuff aside. Because I recognize that. I eat what I want and how I want. It's like if it tastes bad, why eat it? Healthy stuff don't taste good to me. I've been set free, right? I wish. I wish. But that's... So here it even says that we should consider ourselves dead to sin. But just because you consider yourself doesn't mean that you are. Really what it could be is that you're deceiving yourself, which is... The most dangerous type of deceit that we can walk in. It's one thing to be fooled by somebody else. 
It's another thing to fool ourselves. Let me give you an example. I quoted this verse earlier. And I've just heard a lot of people quote this through the years. Like, oh, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Let me ask you a question then. Do you walk in righteousness? Just because you say it doesn't mean that it's necessarily the fruit of your life. I can say it all day long. Oh, I've got the peace that passes all understanding. It mounts guard around my heart and my mind. And yet I can be the worst worrying person on the planet. I can confess it all day long. I consider myself to walk in peace. I consider myself to walk in joy. Oh, I'm a joyful person. Really? When was the last time you had a good laugh? Like, oh, well, you don't know my situation. The Bible says, count it all joy in every circumstance. That's part of what should be a hallmark for us as believers. I'm going to walk through something, but I'm going to have my peace and I'm going to have my joy intact when I walk through it and when I get out of it. Not just when I get to the backside and I'm like, woo, yay God. Right in the middle of it. There's still yay God. Why? Because He is on my side. He has not left me. He has not forsaken me. He's strengthened me right in the middle of that battle. And I've got joy. And I'm not going to allow the enemy to come in and rob from me what God wants. So we can't just... It's not enough to just consider ourselves, As it says here, dead to sin. We actually have to see to it that we're not allowing the enemy to bring about death into our life. And sin into our life. And areas of our life of compromise. Like, oh, well it's just a little thing. Yeah, and the little things spoil the vine is what Ecclesiastes says. Little things don't stay little things. Little things grow. Now let me read you a couple of verses along the same line. The first one is going to come out of uh, Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. It will be on the screen. We're not going to, I'm just going to read the very first part of it. It's a, Paul writes this and says, So put to death the sinful earthly things. Sinful and earthly things. The writer of Hebrews said that we're to lay aside the sin and the weights that slow us down. So not everything is sinful, but some things are just earthly and weighty. And they're going to keep us from really experiencing all that God has for you. Let me give you an example. I mean, I make jokes about this all the time. I like Dr. Pepper. Right? Now, if I'm honest... If I continue and I never, which I have greatly curbed my appetite, greatly. When I was a young man, I got multiple 44 ounces a day. Multiples. I mean, if you saw me, I had Dr. Pepper all the time. Well, what if in, you know, 20 years from now, now I have kidney problems? And now I have this, and now I have that, and now there's physical changes happening in my body, and things are out of whack. Now, see, I've made a decision to put things into my body. Now, will God heal me? Will God help me? Yes, I believe He will. But does that mean that I've not made the choice to put chemicals and things in my body and never allowing my body to rest? I mean, that's one reason why in January I get off of it completely. I want my kidneys to rest. I want my liver, I want my body to actually be able to recover. Why? Because I know I put some stuff in my body that wasn't so healthy. 
Now, I'm not preaching that. As, I'm just telling you in my own life, it's one of the reasons I do it. Because I realize that, man, the number, well, and also I don't want to be addicted to something that I don't have the power over. If God told me today, never drink another Dr. Pepper, I would absolutely not drink another Dr. Pepper. No question about it. And I know I can. Years ago, I couldn't have said that. I would have been like, oh, Lord. <laughs> can we negotiate? Like just a couple of day, Lord. Just a... But yet, there are things. And, and so, I, But he says here, so that's an earthly thing. It's not going to send me to hell, but it might send me to heaven early. Now, people don't want to talk about that. But I might get there and God be like, you're early. How crazy is that if I wouldn't fulfill my assignment on life because of what I wanted to drink? That's a crazy thought. That's an earthly thing. I know that's heavy and you're like, dang, I shouldn't have come to church this morning. Shoot. Paul says, put to death the sinful and the earthly things that are lurking in you. Now he, he begins to list out all kinds of things here. Now, I just remind you, he's speaking to, to Christians, people that have been bought by the blood of Christ, believers, people who would say, I am the righteous of God. He says, you've got to put to death these things in your life. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. This isn't going to get any better. It will in a moment, though. Verse 12. It says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, followers of Christ... You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Praise God. I'm not a slave to sin, remember? I have no obligation to do what my sinful nature, my flesh nature wants me to do. Verse 13, it says, For if you live by its dictates, in other words, if you live by its demands, you will die. Why? Because the wages of sin are death. But... If through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. So even according to Scripture here, can you put your, your flesh nature, your sinful nature to death? Yeah. Technically, no. Why? Because what did it say? If through the power of the Spirit. That's key. Now, can I? Yes. It's not enough myself. There's a reliance, a leaning on, a trusting in the Holy Spirit of God that says, God, I recognize that this area of my life is costing me. And now, Holy Spirit, I submit my life to you. I submit my thoughts to you. I submit my actions to you. And Holy Spirit, when you give me that little nudge and says, hey, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't go there. Turn the channel. Turn that music off. I'm going to be in obedience. Why? Because Holy Spirit, I need your power in my life. And I am not strong enough, good enough, and smart enough to fix myself. Holy Spirit, I need your help. There's power in submission to the presence of God. To the Spirit of God. If by the Spirit of God you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. So here's good news. You don't have to do this on your own. The other side is you, 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 you can't do this on your own. It, it requires the Holy Spirit. But if you put to death the deeds of sinful nature, you will live. 
Let me add a little word here which isn't taken from the text at all. You will live in freedom. You will live in what Christ has provided for you. Verse 14 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Now many people quote that verse, they just take it out of context. We just read it in context. People are like, shoot, I didn't know they were talking about sin there. When the Holy Spirit nudges you and says, "Mm -mm." you prove that you're a child of God in that you submit to Him. That you listen to His voice. Being led by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit may say, hey, you need to, you get that all of a sudden, you get that, you're like, well, I don't know what the Holy Ghost voice sounds like. Let me tell you this. If you get the urge to go study your Bible, that's not you. Okay? You're like, I need to go spend some time with Jesus. That's not your flesh. Let me just tell you. I'm just going to answer the question right now. That is the Holy Spirit. You're like, oh, I never knew that was Him. He sounds just like me. Your body, my body is never going to say, hey, that thing you love, just lay it aside for a little while. And come spend some extra time with the Lord. Your body's going to go, no! Your flesh, your nature's, like, it's going to fight. There's this war happening in your mind. And you're like, do you know what kind of headache I'm going to have? No way! And yet, through the power of the Holy Spirit, if I just say, Okay, God, I know that I can't do this. I know that I can't deal with my anger. I know that I can't deal with my jealousy. I know that I can't deal with the issues of my heart. I've got questions and I don't have answers and I don't know what to do about them. And God, I want to be a person of faith, but I just, I've got questions. Join the club. I don't have this figured out. There are some things I know, but there's a lot of things that I don't. And I've just come to this conclusion. I just trust God. For anything I don't have an answer to, God, you are beyond me. I live in a cursed planet. I recognize that. Things are going to come. And I may not understand everything. That's why I have faith. Even in the areas where, you know, where the devil would try to come and to manipulate and to work into my life. I've got to fight. But it's not a physical, like, I'm going to make this thing happen. No, it's a submission to the Holy Spirit of God. It says, God, you said that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead would live on the inside of me. That it would quicken or cause strength to come even to this physical body, but also to my mind, also in my heart, also in every area of my life. And even when temptation comes, there's a power on the inside of me that if I will draw upon it, it will rise up that will cause me to walk in victory. I like that word triumph. I'm, you know, I'm a little better, little better than I used to be, but I'm still pretty competitive. Some of you know this. I don't like to lose, ever. I don't care what we're doing. I don't care if it's a game I've never seen. I'm playing to win. I used to make the statement to Daryl all the time. She'd be like, "It's a, can't you just play for fun? I'm like, yeah, it's fun when I win. 
How's that not fun? I've lost and it's not any fun. There's no fun in losing. It's terrible. And I used to make the same. I'm like, God didn't create me to be a loser. You say it all the time. It's that competitive drive and ambition. But you know, sometimes that can even get in the way of even my spiritual development. Why? Because the drive of even developing spiritually isn't so that I'm actually walking closer with the Lord. It's so that I'm staying ahead of those folks. I can tell you, I'm not there today. But I used to be. It's like I want to walk closer with the Lord just so they know that I'm further along than they are. That sounds a whole lot of pride, don't it? It was. It was. And I took pleasure in that. I know none of you have ever had a thought like that. Y'all are just precious. Till one day the Holy Spirit nudged me. Hey, we need to talk. Mm-mm. No, sir. Talking is over. Of course, I didn't know what he wanted to talk about. And I said, okay. Here's one of the most challenging things I've ever experienced in my life as a believer was when God revealed my heart to me. As a believer, as somebody who loved God, served in the church, all these, he showed me my heart, my motivations. And all those good things I was doing were all for the wrong reason. Now, I would have said the right things. And everybody else would have thought it was for the right things. And there was some. I mean, there was a lot of, of self in there. A lot of ambition. A lot of just... I'm going to be somebody for God. That's how I used to think. Now I just want to be who he's called me to be. I just want to be who he's created me to be. I'm not trying to be like anybody else. I don't want to be anybody else. I, I want to be me. And I want to do what he's called me to do. Period. No dot, dot, dot. No comma. No semicolon. That's the end of the line. Why? Because that was an area of my life that was sinful. It was rooted in pride. It said, I need to be somebody. See, the problem was, I thought I was trying to be somebody. And the truth is, I already was somebody in Christ. I just didn't know it. Now, I knew it in word. But there was still this sinful side of me. that said, man, I'm going to make this happen. And I'm going to make this deal work out for me. Let me keep reading. Verse 12, it says, Do not let sin control the way that you live. It says, do not give in to sinful desires. Paul wrote in Romans uh, 13 verse 14. He said, make no provision. Let me say it this way. Make no allowance for your flesh. Don't make an excuse for your flesh. When you miss it, acknowledge it. Oh, I lost my cool, but they did blah, 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 blah. I lost my cool. And God, I, I acknowledge that I'm wrong. There, I'm sorry for what I said. And how I said it. I shouldn't have said that to you like that. I'm not going to make provision for my flesh and say, well, she deserved it. Well, she didn't do this or she didn't say that. Or if she would have done, what am I doing? I'm making an excuse for my flesh. And I'm letting sin come into my life to dominate me. 
Why? Because I've now submitted myself to a behavior that according to Scripture is not beneficial for me. That now there's going to be fallout and there's going to be death in what? Not just me, but in my family, in my relationship, in my marriage. And if I leave it unchecked, it's only going to get worse. So ultimately, it could result in what? The death of my marriage. We call that divorce. Why? Because I didn't deal with my heart. The problem, you know, the thing I've learned is God never talks to me about Dara. God's never come to me and said, David, can I just vent about Dara for a minute? I just need somebody to talk to. You're a husband, baby, you can help me out. God has never asked for my help. Ever. But he sure is quick to talk to me about me. Even in the midst of my foolishness. He's like, stop that. Not real fun. But yet I have a choice. Am I going to put to death those thoughts, those patterns, those things in me? If I, let me say it this way. If I excuse it, it will live. Paul says, make no provision. Make no allowance. Make, make nothing available for the flesh. It says, don't let sin control the way you live. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil and to serve sin. Your eyes, your ears, your hands. Don't let anything become an instrument of evil. Instead, give yourself completely to God. For you were dead. Past tense. Were. But now you have new life. So your whole body, or so use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. Sin is no longer your master. You are not subject to who you once were. You have a new identity which is hidden in Christ. Sin can no longer control you if you will take authority over it. If you will walk in the light of Scripture through the power of the Holy Spirit that says, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me because I don't know how to deal with my anger. I'm angry and I don't know why. I'm frustrated. And I don't know why. I'm tired and I'm worn out. And I don't know why. Holy Spirit, I need you. I need your power in my heart and in my life. Sin is no longer your master. For you are no longer under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Verse 16 says, Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? So you can choose to obey those urges if you want. But you've become its slave again, even though you've been set free and redeemed, and even though God has better for you. We can willingly walk back into the wages of sin if we want. It says you're the slave of whatever you choose to obey. It says you can be the sla- or you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. He says, "Thank God, once we were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey the teaching that we have given you." 
How do you stay free of sin? You wholeheartedly walk in the light and the understanding of Scripture. Verse 18 says, Now you are free from the slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. So I no longer have to do what my flesh tells me. Now I just have to walk in obedience to the Word of God, to the Holy Spirit of God that is on the inside of me to empower me. I've already been equipped. You've already been equipped to walk in the power of God. Let me read you two verses real quick as we wrap up this morning. This comes out of Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Since you have been made right in God's sight by faith, it requires faith to be right in God's sight. Let me say this. It's going to require faith for you to be right in your own eyes. Why? Because I know me. And I'm like, man, I got some areas of my life. And so it actually requires faith for me to say, God, you have made me righteous. I don't feel very righteous right now. I don't act very righteous right now, but by faith, I'm going to declare that I live in righteousness, that I walk in righteousness. Even though I can't see it, I'm going to continue to declare your word over my life and I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit and I'm going to submit my life to Him and say, Holy Spirit, help me be a man that walks in righteousness. I acknowledge that I I, I come way short of God's glorious standard, but Christ came for me. So I'm going to add this to this. It says, since we've been made right in God's sight and our own by faith, you're going to have to act in faith. It says, we have peace with God because uh, uh, because of what Christ Jesus, our Lord, has done for us. Verse 2 says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. You right now stand in a place of undeserved privilege. Let me say it this way. You know, the Bible, you could say it like this, is that you are right now are highly favored of the Lord. You right now are highly favored of the Lord. He's given you His grace. He's given you His Spirit. You stand in a place of undeserved privilege right now. Right now. Not one day, right now. Why? Because God's grace, because of the blood of Christ, is so much greater than your sin. So much greater than all of your mess-ups, all of your do-overs, all those times where you thought, God, just leave me alone. His grace is much more. You stand in that place right now and it says that we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. I look forward to the day that I'm not bound to a flesh that is that has desires that I wish it didn't. But I still live in an earth. I still have a flesh suit. The Bible says that one day when Christ returns, whether I I meet Him through death or He comes back in my lifetime, either way, it says in that moment, this mortal, this flesh, it says what? It will be swallowed up in life. 
A new a newness will come to this body that's in death and decay because of the curse on the earth. Everything about me, everything about you will be swallowed up in wholeness and life. That's a glorious day. I mean, what an amazing day. But you know, it's not just one day in the future that can happen. We can walk in that today. Not completely. But we do, the Bible says we can taste of the heavenly things which are to come. It's like getting an appetizer. That ain't a meal. It's like a teaser. And if it's good, it's like, dang it, why couldn't I have that as my meal? This is just a foretaste. But I don't have to suffer in shame and guilt and condemnation and all them other things until Jesus comes back. Lord, I'm a glorious mess, but I'm yours. Praise God. And it's glorious. It's a mess, but it's glorious. Why? Because the blood of Christ is hovering right over it. The power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God is hovering right over that mess that I call my life. And Jesus says, you're mine. And I love you. See, that's the God that we serve. Man, if I'll just recognize that, if you'll just recognize that and say, okay, Holy Spirit, help me. There's grace. Man, I'm not trying to do anything. But Holy Spirit, help me. Give me those little Holy Spirit checks. Even though I don't like them, I know I need them. Bring me that discipline. I don't like it, but I know I need it. Why? Because God's shaping in me who He, who he wants me to be. If I'll walk in that, if you'll walk in that, I'm telling you, just as it says here, that you can confidently and joyfully look ahead and say, man, I I know I've got a good Savior. I know I've got a good Father. I'm not afraid. If I went to heaven right now, I'm not even concerned. Man, I, I ain't signing up to go on the next bus. But if it went, I'm confident. God, you gloriously saved me. And it was glorious. And it is glorious. And it's amazing to see the power of God that will work in your life when you'll just submit to the Lord. Just say, Lord, I I need your help. And when you do that, there's, let me say it this way, is that there's nothing that the enemy can bring into your life that you can't overcome, that you can't walk in that victory and in that triumph. But it just takes an openness and an honesty before the Lord. You can't just consider yourself got to actually take an honest evaluation of your heart and say Holy Spirit where am I at what's going on in me what's happening in my heart in this moment and the Holy Spirit will come and he'll give you the wisdom and he'll give you the grace that you need so that you can walk in all that God has for you that's the God that we serve that's his goodness and it's available to all of us